Well, in case you are just joining us, if uh, you're coming off of a vacation, we are in the middle of a series on uh, wisdom. We've been talking about this together for the last few weeks as a church, uh, looking at the words that this guy named Solomon, uh, King Solomon wrote several thousand years ago in the book of Proverbs, uh, declaring how to become wise. And what we've essentially said over the course of the series is that wisdom is what we need in life because uh, we find ourselves, isn't it true, in situations all the time where there is no rule that applies. There is no uh, black and white, clear cut, clear, cut, clear cut answer to what we are supposed to do. Uh, it's fuzzy, it's gray, and often uh, we're trying to decide between good and better or bad and worse. And uh, in those moments, what we need to navigate us or to steer through the difficult waters of life is something called wisdom. Uh, it's what Solomon calls on us to pursue, uh, the skill in the art of living, to navigate through the gray areas of life. Uh, I remember several years ago, it was popular uh, in churches. You would see this all the time, uh, youth groups. You'd see this uh, a lot of different places you, you went uh, for people to wear bracelets that said WWJD. How many of us remember this? Uh, it was a popular trend. For some of us, you still wear the bracelet. Uh, it was a great reminder. Uh, WWJD stood for what would Jesus do? Uh, I wore one of these bracelets for a while. It was a great reminder. Uh, but here's what I began to discover as I wore that bracelet, uh, that often I found myself in situations where I just didn't know what Jesus would do. Uh, there wasn't a verse that applied to that situation. There wasn't the verse where Jesus told the kids, you know, you can only play with the iPad for 15 minutes. You know, there's no verse uh, that applies to a lot of the situations that we find ourselves in, and we're trying to navigate through it, and what we need uh, through the Holy Spirit of God in our lives is something that's called uh, wisdom. And I wanna talk about this today uh, in terms of uh, a kind of relationship that Solomon highlights over and over again that is uh, the source of wisdom, that begins to be the foundation of wisdom in our life and where we pull from and draw from uh, to receive uh, wisdom in our life. Uh, there's several different types of relationships in our life where we feel pressure. This is true whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian. It's just the nature of our culture and the world that we live in. We, we sit in several different kinds of hot seats in our life. The first kind of hot seat that we sit in because of the culture and the world that we live in is in terms of romantic relationships. Uh, this starts at a very early age in our culture and in our world. In terms of the movies that we watch, uh, films that are about uh, will they or will they not fall in love at the end, songs that we listen to. Uh, this is just everywhere in our culture. If you're married, you feel uh, a pressure to have a, a certain kind of marriage. If you're dating, you feel a pressure uh, to have a certain kind of dating relationship. If you don't, should we break up? Should we go to counseling? What should we do? Uh, there's just this constant pressure. Uh, you don't have to think about it. It's just there all the time in our world uh, that we sit in this hot seat in terms of romantic relationships. It's just a part of our life. If you're single, uh, I have many people tell me that because oftentimes church can be the worst place, uh, that although the Bible teaches you can be single and you're a complete person, uh, that you're not completed in marriage, you're completed uh, by Jesus Christ. But oftentimes one of the things that begins to get picked up in, in church is that uh, you need to get married. Uh, who, who, are you seeing anybody? I have people in this church tell me, uh, I don't want to be set up with anybody. <laughs> Uh, don't try, oh, you're single. Uh, have you met Ben? You like to bowl. Ben likes to bowl. Uh, we just, we constantly put this pressure on people. Think of all the apps or websites that are devoted to romantic relationships. It's a constant pressure. Christian single, Christian mingle, Christian pringle. It's just everywhere. It's just constant. Uh, 
That's a different one. But uh, you just constantly feel this pressure. It's a part of our world that we live in. There's another kind of hot seat that you sit in every single day, and it's in terms of work relationships. Uh, You feel this pressure at your job. You don't have to apply it to yourself. It's just there. That in your industry, at your organization, where you work, are you connected to the right people? Uh, have you gotten to know the right people? Uh, oftentimes you can lose a job, uh, not, just because, not because you weren't competent to do the job, but because you weren't connected to the right people at the organization. Uh, some of us, you travel for work, you go to conferences, and when you're at those conferences, what do you do? You network with other people in your industry because your bottom line, your, your paycheck, can often depend on how networked. There's just this pressure that's built in to life uh, in terms of work relationships, to be connected uh, at our job or in our industry. It's a part of life, not just in terms of romantic relationships, but in terms of work relationships as well. Uh, There's another kind of relationship pressure that you feel and I feel. It's in terms of family relationships, in terms of uh, mom, dad, sons, daughters. There's just this pressure uh, that is always there. It's a hot seat. Uh, that, that doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, you just feel this pressure. doesn't matter what age or stage of life you're in. Uh, it's constant. Uh, you know, this is a frequent conversation uh, in my house, probably a frequent conversation in your house. If you're married, have you talked to your mom lately? Have you talked to your dad? Well, it's been a few days. Well, you need to call home. Uh, when was the last time we had them over for dinner? Uh, you don't even ha- have to like these people. <laughs> uh, you will feel this pressure. It's just constantly there in terms of family relationships. And I wanna talk about a kind of relationship today that unless you decide it's important, unless I decided it's, it's important, uh, you're never gonna feel any pressure to highlight this in your life or to uh, make this important or make this a value. And yet over and over again in the book of Proverbs, Solomon highlights this kind of relationship as being a place that is foundational for being a wise person. And yet time and time again, this is the kind of relationship that just gets squeezed out over and over. And it's in terms of our friend relationships, who we have surrounded ourselves with, who our friends are. And isn't it true in our culture, uh, there's no pressure here There's pressure here, there's pressure here, there's pressure here, uh, but there's no movies made about friendship. Uh, Will they or will they not hang out in the end? Uh, Even in terms of uh, movies that are aimed at uh, at women, uh, targeted at women, uh, the divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood of the traveling pants, uh, part two, whatever the film is, uh, it on the cover will appear to be a movie about female friendships, but you watch it and it immediately veers towards romantic relationships. Often you notice when you read a book and then it gets made into a film. In the book, it will highlight friendship. Uh, Lord of the Rings is an example of this. Uh, it highlights friendship in the book, but then you watch the film and it gets turned into, there's characters that get invented in the films to make it uh, about romantic relationships. Uh, because I don't know if you knew this in our culture, sex sells, by the way. Uh, this is just constant. There's no songs devoted to friendship. Uh, there's no apps out there for helping you find friends. Uh, and unless you decide this is important, uh, it's just gonna get squeezed out over and over, especially the older that you get when you're not in college, or you're not in high school, uh, and your time is more limited. This will be something that gets squeezed out over and over again. And yet it is the thing that Solomon comes back to again and again in the book of Proverbs that says, if you want to be wise, your friendships, uh, who is it in your life that cares for you, 
Who is it that you care for? Uh, that essentially for Solomon, uh, you can have no romantic relationships in your life. You can be single and never have a romantic relationship at all, and you can still be wise. For Solomon, you can have no work relationships. You can be completely uh, unsavvy at work and not networked at all, and you can still be a wise individual. Uh, for Solomon, you, you can have zero family left in this world, and you can still be a wise person. But according to Solomon, if we don't feel pressure in our life to have friends and be networked and surround ourselves with the right kind of people, then we cannot be wise. That friendships, the thing that always gets squeezed out, is of utmost importance for those that want to be wise. Who do you surround yourself with? And we all know this instinctively and intuitively, don't we? Because in those moments of pain, those moments of hardship in our lives, uh, we don't look back on those times and go, honey, I'm so glad we had that nice new furniture collection. That really helped us get through the tough times. Uh, No, it's friendships that we lean on in those moments. Uh, We don't, even in moments of milestones or celebration, uh, graduation, anniversary, whatever it is, uh, well, what do you want to do? We don't say, well, I just want to push all our stuff into a pile in the middle of the room for the day and just stare at it. Uh, We don't do this. We talk about surrounding ourselves with friendships. And yet time and time again, in in the hectic, busy world that we live in, uh, we will forget because this will get squeezed out. And so my goal uh, for for our time together today is that we would decide this is a priority, Uh, that friendships uh, would be elevated in our hearts over other relationships of being uh, primary to being people that are wise. If you have a Bible, uh, let's open it together to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13, starting in verse 20. I'm so excited uh, for this message today. It's just just a great reminder, and I don't hear a lot of messages on this, and it's a great reminder of what's important. If you uh, haven't done so yet, I just want to encourage you uh, to text WISDOM to the number 95577 uh, if you haven't done that yet, and we're going to send you a text every single day for the next 45 days, one text a day, and it's going to be a reminder, it's a prompt, uh, just to read a proverb. Uh, and we're just doing this as a church, hashtag blueprint for life, if you want to follow along on Facebook or Twitter uh, and communicate with each other about what you're learning. Uh, but text that number, 95577, uh, the word wisdom to that number. And uh, this is what Solomon says about friendship, that it's not just important in terms of having friends, but it's very important in terms of who your friends actually are. He says this, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, This truth, it's either working for you or it's working against you in your life today. You might have stumbled into this inadvertently. You might not even be aware that you're benefiting or suffering because of this particular truth. Uh, But if you surround yourself with wise people, if you have friendships in your life, if you allow yourself to be influenced by those that are wise that you look up to, or you see choices that they make, and you say, I I admire the choices they make, uh, you're benefiting from that. And if you're a companion of fools, even if you're not aware of it, you're being influenced by that group of people. Uh, For Solomon, we're either benefiting or we're suffering because we are obedient to this truth or we are ignoring it. Uh, 
Uh, what's the first half of this? So the second half, for a companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, if you surround yourself with people that are foolish, uh, those that are on the path of the wise, and we've talked about this, or, or those that are on the path of the fool, uh, they don't care about their life, they don't care about wisdom, they look at what's right and they decide not to do it. Uh, if you surround yourself with these kinds of people, uh, for Solomon, it's not even a behavior thing. Uh, you don't have to be doing anything wrong. It's a proximity thing. That if you let them too close for too long, you and I will get burned. Uh, there is no truth uh, that I can think of in my life, and I would imagine this is true for you as well, uh, that has been more true than this verse. That our friends who we surround ourselves with will begin to dictate the kind of life that we live. Uh, how many of us, is it true, uh, that in the moments of your greatest regrets, if you look back on that stage of your life, it might be uh, you know, spring break somewhere in the distant memory, it might be uh, college, it might be more recent than that. But in that time of your life, you were surrounded by fools. How many of us, uh, you look back on a stage of your life where you go, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe I uh, went there, I can't believe I acted that way. At that particular stage of your life, the people that were surrounding you uh, were foolish. Uh, they might have even been there in your greatest regret. Uh, they might have been sitting in jail next to you going, wasn't that a good time? <laughs> because a companion of fools, Solomon warns, will begin to suffer harm. And it's not a behavior thing. It's a proximity thing. You don't have to be doing anything wrong. But if you let them get too close for too long, just like a fire, in time, uh, those that surround themselves with foolish people will begin to suffer as a result. Uh, I, I have this theory that as a parent, when you become a parent, uh, you have this principle, this truth, hardwired into your heart or into your brain uh, as a parent in terms of your, raising your children. Uh, because some of us, isn't it true, you can look back and you can remember uh, long, epic arguments with your mom or with your dad about who your friends were. And even if they weren't a Christian, your parents understood that if you were around the wrong group of people, if you allowed yourself to be surrounded by fools, you were going to suffer in time, even if you weren't doing anything wrong. Uh, some of us, you have parents, uh, they would have made you move out of a school, they would have made you move out of a state to get you away from somebody. Uh, some of us that are in high school or middle school at this stage of our life or in college, uh, your parents, they constantly are talking to you about who you surround yourself with and it's so frustrating to you but your parents understand something that if you surround yourself with foolish people, you might be the best kid, the most well-behaved you know, son, daughter in the world but if you surround yourself with the wrong group of people, in time, a companion of fools will suffer harm. It's not a behavior thing because what we will always say in those moments is what? I'm not doing anything wrong. Solomon says it doesn't matter. It's a proximity thing. If you get too close, you will begin to suffer as a result. Uh, I still remember long arguments with my mom uh, over, there were two friends in particular, and if I said their name that I was going to hang out with them, her face would turn a particular shade of red. And she did not, because she understood that if you surround yourself uh, with fools, you will suffer as a result. 
because there's something that happens when we get accepted by somebody. In that moment when the friendship happens, when we realize, as Ralph Waldo Emerson said, when friendship begins, uh, when you see the same truth as somebody else, when you now realize you're on the same page in an area of life and uh, you, you begin to forge that friendship and you get accepted by somebody, what begins to happen is your guard will begin to drop. And when your guard begins to drop, this is a very powerful moment when your guard begins to drop around someone because we all go through life, it's not a bad thing, but we go through life with a certain kind of guard up in relationships to not let people get too close. Uh, and we choose in a moment when to drop our guard with someone and it happens when we get accepted by that person. And when you let your guard drop around that person, you are now vulnerable to their influence. When your guard drops with someone, you are now vulnerable to the influence of that person. And if even inadvertently, you weren't even aware of it, but you're surrounded by foolish people in that moment, you will begin to be influenced by fools. And this is not a teenage thing. This is a human being thing. We all crave acceptance. And so we're all vulnerable to influence from whoever we surround ourselves with. Uh, for some of us, uh, you uh, have a group of friends from high school, college, uh, your neighborhood, and you've decided in the last couple of years, you want to take a different path with your life. You want to become wise. You want to begin to pursue God. Uh, you want your marriage to reflect the values that are happening in your heart. Uh, but on Wednesday night, Friday night, whatever it is, uh, you have that group of ladies, you have that group of guys that you've known for a while uh, that you hang out with, and how they talk about their wives or how they talk about their husbands, it bothers you inside. How they drink too much, it bothers you inside. How they flirt with the waitress, it bothers you inside. And especially this is true if you're trying to change the pattern and, and, the, and the, the path of your life, uh, you have to begin to remove them and begin to not necessarily kick them out of your life, but begin to remove them from your inner circle of influence because a companion of fools will suffer harm and they will begin to influence your behavior and your marriage and your choices and how you spend money. It's just a truth and a principle. Uh, and often we say, well, how do I do that? I've known them for 20 years. They're my best friend, they're my neighbor. How do I begin to remove the foolish person from my life? I'm not saying they're bad people, I'm just saying they're bad for you right now. And you have to begin to have boundaries. It's about degrees of closeness and not allowing them to be around you uh, in terms of being influenced by that person. What's the uh, first half of the verse? And this is the good news. This is the good uh, part of this truth. He says this, walk with the wise and you will become wise. Walk with wise people. That in other words, if you begin to surround yourself, this is the stack of the wise, uh, you can begin to become wise, not even through anything of your doing, but merely just by surrounding yourself with wise people, uh, you can begin to become a wise kind of person. If you're here and you're new to church, you're trying to figure out how do I get my life on a different path, the simplest, easiest thing to do is find friends that you look at and you say they're wise. Because he who walks with the wise, she who walks with the wise will become wise. It's about boundaries. It's about having those that were foolish and used to surround us 
uh, moved to the outer fringes and bringing wise people close. Now that you have wise friends, when you begin to uh, order people in the correct place on the bus and surround yourself with the right kind of people, Solomon says uh, these kinds of relationships with wise people, uh, they look a certain way. There are certain characteristics of friendships when you begin to walk with wise people. Uh, Notice what he says in Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, verse 24. We put it on the screens if you do not have a Bible. A man or woman of too many friends. And this is a strange thing to say in a hyper-connected world where the term friend gets really blurry. A man of too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is a strange thing to say, especially 3,000 years ago in a culture uh, that is family-oriented. Uh, This is radical in this culture, that there is a kind of friend that will actually stick closer to you uh, than a family member. Because your family, they have to be there. Uh, Your friends, they choose to be there in a moment. Uh, And if you have too many, you can't have too many of them. You can't have this uh, many people sticking closer to you than a brother. Uh, And if we devote our life to having uh, just a lot of friends and being well-connected, Uh, We'll begin to confuse what a friend is and what an acquaintance is, and we'll begin to not have these kinds of friends in our life. That essentially for Solomon, we need to be looking for a quality friend, not a quantity of friends. Uh, That it's okay to be well-connected, but at the same time, in terms of who we allow close, in terms of surrounding, you're not going to have many of these. Uh, If you have a couple of them, count yourself as a very lucky individual. Who is this person for you? that's sticking closer to you right now than a brother or sister. Through anything, they're there. Uh, They're just there. Solomon says this kind of person, in Proverbs chapter 25, he says this about friends. Like one, he's talking about relationships here, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Uh, What a strange thing to say. Uh, If you sing songs to someone uh, who's broken, their their heart is heavy, their life has been shattered by something. If you uh, are just trying to to perk them up, if if you start singing songs, it's like uh, taking a blanket away from them on a cold day. Uh, Because your friends, these people that you surround yourself with, Uh, they need to become vulnerable to your pain. If you're sad, uh, something horrible has happened in your life, and I'm happy, and and it's not bad that I'm happy, but I'm I'm constantly just trying to make you happy again. I'm I'm not allowing you to sit in your sadness and your brokenness and your pain, and I'm just singing you happy songs. I'm just trying to get you out of it. Uh, Essentially what's happening is I'm not allowing myself to be vulnerable to your pain. I'm not entering into it with you. Uh, I'm not allowing my day to be ruined by the fact that your day has been ruined. I need to sit in that with you, not just singing happy songs, trying to lift you out of it, but I need to go there with you because this is the kind of friend that sticks closer than a brother who's there with you in the middle of that. Uh, Who are the friends that are vulnerable to your pain? They'll actually allow themselves uh, for their day to get ruined because your day got ruined. (laughs) 
uh, who's vulnerable to your pain. This is why you can't have uh, that many of these kinds of friends because you can't be vulnerable to that many people's pain uh, in life. You, you just can't, it's impossible. You, you constantly be in grief. Uh, who are these people for you? Uh, these are the people that, they're, they're not just uh, like the acquaintance that in a moment of grief say to you something along the lines of, uh, well, call us if you need anything. Certainly not a bad thing to say, but these kinds of friends, what Solomon is talking about, they're just there. They're going to be there no matter what. They are vulnerable to whatever. They're so emotionally connected to you as a friend. A fool can never do this. They're far too selfish. In our culture, in our world, most friendships are just transactional. Most friendships in our culture, they're just merely transactional. That in other words, uh, I become your friend, you become my friend because we offer each other something. You allow me access to uh, a network of people, a particular kind of job, uh, a boat on a weekend, you know, whatever it is. Uh, we become friends because there's some kind of transaction or some kind of exchange. Uh, and we do this to other people. It's normal in our world that friendships become transactional, that we become a means to an end for somebody, or they become a means to an end for us. And these kinds of friends, they do not view you as a means to an end, they view you as an end within yourself. Uh, you're the goal. I'm not trying to get something from you. And I'm gonna allow myself, a fool can never do this. Uh, they're far too selfish. We have to surround ourselves with these kinds of people. Uh, what's another characteristic of friendship? Solomon devotes a great deal of time to talking about this. Proverbs chapter 27, verse six. Uh, a couple of chapters over, Solomon says this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy will multiply kisses. They're just going to tell you what you wanna hear. The more powerful, wealthy, uh, influential you become, the more true this is, that it's harder and harder to find the kind of friends that will actually risk the friendship to tell you something you don't wanna hear. Uh, who are these people for you? That when you are on a path of danger, relationally, spiritually, vocationally, whatever it is, uh, they'll actually say the difficult word. They'll say something to you that might actually cause you pain, but you needed to hear it. Most people in our culture, they're going to talk about you, but they're not going to talk to you. And if I just talk about you, I'm not being a good friend. Uh, you need me to come and tell you, hey, uh, you're off course here. Who are these people in your life that they'll actually talk to you in the moments uh, where you veered off course and they're not just going to talk about you? Wounds from a friend can, can be trusted. We need these kinds of relationships. That in other words, uh, when we become friends with wise people, uh, it's not just for the sake of having a good barbecue with wise people. <laughs> It's for the sake, we have work to do, we have truth telling to do. There needs to be not just emotional connectedness where we're vulnerable to each other's pain, but there needs to become candor in this relationship where we're open and honest with one another. Uh, before we all go on a truth telling mission uh, and at lunch uh, telling people, well, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Uh, you're a real jerk, Bob. You know, before we go on a truth telling mission, if we're actually vulnerable to this person's pain and we're actually this kind of a wise friend, then we have to become aware that by causing them pain, it's going to cause us pain. And they have to become aware, I don't wanna tell you this 
because it's, I'm so connected to you. If this hurts you, it's gonna hurt me. And we need to be prepared uh, before we throw the bomb to have the hazmat suit on and be there for the cleanup. To actually be connected enough to that person that we're there in terms of helping them get on the right path in their life. Are you that connected to someone? Because if you're not, you shouldn't say uh, the words. Uh, who are those people that do this for you? So friendships become characterized uh, by boundaries. We have to get the wrong people uh, out of our life. And it's not that they're bad people, but they might just be really bad for you at this stage of your life. And the fools need to be on the outer circle. Uh, it's not that you can remove them completely, but it's about degrees of closeness and beginning to surround ourselves with wise people. And when we have wise people around us, we begin to have candor and truth-telling and, and we're emotionally connected to one another and we allow ourselves to bear and feel one another's burdens. Jesus models this again and again in the New Testament. Jesus uh, is connected to 72 people, uh, that there's 72 people essentially that are uh, following or with him. Uh, within that 72, there are 12 in particular uh, that are his disciples that are traveling with him, going with him throughout the region. But isn't it true? Uh, within that 12, there are three that he's very close to. Uh, James, Peter, and John, they go with him everywhere. Uh, the highest of highs, the transfiguration, uh, where Jesus goes to a mountaintop and talks to Elijah and Moses and is, everybody's glowing. Uh, this experience, he, he takes James, Peter, and John. He doesn't take all 12. In the same uh, time, when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and sweat drops of blood because he knows he's going to a cross, he doesn't take all 12. He takes the same three, James, Peter, and John. He's very careful about who he is surrounding himself with. Jesus loves everybody, uh, but he isn't letting everybody into his inner circle. Uh, there's this scene in uh, the Gospel of Luke where this man uh, who goes by the Gadarean demoniac, uh, I don't know if that was like his football nickname or what, but he goes, that's his nickname. And this man, Jesus heals him of his demon possession. And this man, uh, I might be reading between the lines here in this story, but there's this fascinating exchange in Luke chapter eight, verse 38, where this man uh, comes to him, comes to Jesus after he's been healed and says, uh, now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him, begs Jesus, that he might be with him. In other words, let me into your circle. And Jesus says, uh, it says Jesus sent him away, saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Uh, I might be reading between the lines here, uh, but I imagine this was kind of an awkward conversation. Uh, let me be in your inner circle in your tribe. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, Jesus loves everybody, but he's not allowing everybody close. What does he tell his disciples in John 15? He says, I call you friends. I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Uh, but you did not choose me. I have chosen you. Uh, the good news of the gospel, the good news of the New Testament over and over again uh, is that you and I have been called friends of God. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how bad it's gotten. It doesn't matter how foolish we've been at some point in our lives. The gospel announcement is you can become a friend of God where we begin to drop our guard around God and we become under the influence of Jesus in our life. This is the good, we, we're called friends of God. Uh, we're called friends of God. Who is it for you uh, that needs to be removed from your inner circle? 
uh, as a mom or a dad, the kind of parent you are is influenced by who you surround yourself with. Are you surrounding yourself with foolish people? Who are those wise friends that are in your life? Uh, who are those that you continually return to? What are their names? Uh, there's probably not many of them, is there? Do you thank them on a regular basis uh, for sticking closer than a brother? Because these kinds of friends that are wise, uh, this, Solomon says, is the hot seat we need to sit in because this is what will lead us. Uh, these individuals will be who lead us to wisdom. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for uh, the cross that we can be called friends of God regardless of what we've done. God, I pray for uh, a parent that's here that uh, they think if they're not doing anything wrong, then it's okay to be around that group of people. And they've just let, in some, they've let somebody too close that shouldn't be that close. And how they spend money, how they think about the world, about family, uh, it's just being influenced because they've dropped their guard around the wrong people. And I pray this week, God, would they just begin to have wisdom? Would we be very careful about who, who we choose to be close to us? God, I pray we would begin to surround ourselves with those that are wise uh, so that we can become wise in our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.